All right, my friends, we now turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. And this is found on page 11 in your New Testament, if you'd like to follow along. Listen now for a word from God. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word to his disciples and said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see but a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. For this is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is still greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Almighty God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, and Leah, Stephanie, Jody, and Judy, Send your Holy Spirit to rest upon and move about us in this time, enlightening us to your word, your wisdom, and your ways. Quiet all voices but your own, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, for the past several years, I've been seeing a spiritual director, and uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, I, I call spiritual direction therapy for the soul. And uh, I've learned something about myself, and that is that when times are good, when, when things are going well according to plan, and my soul isn't particularly troubled, I feel like I don't need spiritual direction. Right? I'll, I'll look forward to an appointment on my calendar, and I'll think, ah, I don't have anything going on. Everything's fine. This is probably going to be a waste of time. I'll tell you that last week, when I met with my spiritual director, this is the way that I was feeling. I woke up, things are going really great, we have all this amazing music and special events planned for Advent, and miraculously they're all coming together, thanks be to God. <laughs> so I look and I think, well, I don't know, this may be a waste of time. And then my spiritual director opened with a poem by Jan Richardson. In it, Jan contrasts what it's like to walk during the day versus at night. She says that, you know, in the day we can see, so we walk by sight. But in the nighttime, we have to rely on our other senses, our hearing, our tasting, our smelling, and our questioning, longing touch. Our questioning, longing touch touch. This phrase really stuck with me. 
You see, I imagine myself moving through the world and moving through most of my life without the ability to really see where I'm going. I've never been able to see the future, you know. I guess that's a commonplace thing. But a lot of folks, right, can imagine and, and see where they're going to be stepping next. I've never had this ability. So I've always relied on my other senses, stumbling along, usually with the help of that questioning, longing touch. You see, I imagined myself, I had this vision of being bowed over, one hand on my heart, one hand spread out in front of me. And anguish spreads over my face. You see, it's this longing, this desperate need to touch something, anything which might guide my next step. As I sat with this image of myself, I began to smile. For I came to realize that this particular morning, in this particular advent, in this particular season of my life, I still find myself in this posture, being bent forward, one hand to my heart, one hand reaching out, but this time, my face isn't bowed down. There is no anguish. There is only joy. I am experiencing, in this time, pure, unadulterated joy. And I'll tell you that when I described this to my spiritual director, I said, well, Heather, I just don't know what's come over me. I feel all this joy, and I don't know what to do with it. So when she laughed and said, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You see, it's not that I've never felt joy or happiness or peace, quite the contrary. However, I've always said that the season of Advent is my favorite season because it most clearly reflects the reality of the broken world that we live in. The world exists in this perpetual state of Advent, this longing, this hoping, this sometimes even despairing for healing, for wholeness, for the joy of Christmas morning. And so I appreciate Advent because it is that season which validates those feelings that we all have from time to time. During the season of Advent, we are reminded that it makes sense for us sometimes to feel desperate. It makes sense that we would be bent over longing for something longing for anything that might guide our next step. So you can imagine my surprise that instead of being overcome with longing, which I usually especially feel during this season, all I can feel is joy. Now before you get mad at me for being foolishly joyful, <laughs> let me just say that I'm not trying to pretend that everything is good and wonderful and perfect because it's not. It's not. And if even if everything in my life were going perfectly, I still would not be able to ignore the suffering and the, and the longing and the despair of our community and our country and our world. I feel this longing. I still do. My hand is still outstretched, seeking to touch something. It's just that in this particular season, I feel a sense of assurance that my hand will actually land on something solid. And this gives me immeasurable joy. While sitting in jail, 
John the Baptist received a word about Jesus, what he'd been doing. And John responded by asking him, are you the one? Are you the one we have been waiting for? Or are we to wait for another? When I first read this this past week, I was a bit surprised. I was thinking, is this like the John that I know really like the Baptist one? Right, the one that leapt in his mother's womb when Mary greeted his mom? The one who wore uh, clothing made out of camel's hair and only ate wild locusts and honey? Right, this crazy one? This can't be the one. It's hard to picture this wildly faithful man doubting Jesus, his cousin, whom he had known even before his birth, whom he'd baptized, about whom John himself heard a voice from heaven say, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. John knew that Jesus was the one. But imprisonment does terrible things to the soul cut off from his people, unable to see and experience for himself this healing and wholeness that Jesus was offering their entire community. Bowed over in anguish, with a questioning, longing touch, John cries out, Are you the one? Are you the one? The most comforting part of this text is that Jesus doesn't scold John. Go back and assure him, says Jesus. Go back and tell him what you are seeing and hearing. That the blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are receiving the message, the dead are being raised, and the poor are having good news brought to them. Go back and assure him, says Jesus, and remind him that blessed is he who does not take offense at me. This is a word of comfort to his dear friend John. Herod had locked him up on account of Jesus, but Jesus sends this word to him, reminding him that yes, he is doing what is right and good. It seems bleak now, but surely, in the end, he will be blessed not Herod. You know, and Jesus doesn't even stop there. He then turns to the crowds and he defends John to them. He lifts him up as this great prophet. He admits that, yeah, he's not perfect. He's still human, right? born of a woman, but he is still great. He is still part of the movement. He is still worthy. He is still loved. On the first Sunday of Advent, This month, um, the New York Times published an article by an Anglican priest named Tish Harrison Warren. And the title of this article is, Before Christmas, Face the Darkness. This is the Reverend Warren's plea to keep the longing and despair in Advent. Not to rush ahead to the joy of the morning of Christmas. Because there is great value in first facing the night. This is what she says, quote, Our response to the wrongness of the world or of ourselves can often be an unhealthy escapism. 
we can turn to the holidays as an anesthesia from the pain as much as anything else. But we need collective spaces as a society to grieve, to look long and hard at what is cracked and fractured in our world and in our lives, and only then can celebration become deep, rich, and resonant, not as a saccharine act of delusion, but as a defiant act of hope. I believe that to have joy in the midst of suffering, it's not a denial of one's circumstances, but a defiant act of hope that this suffering will not overcome us, that it will not persist forever, that it will not have the final word. For as the psalmist says, weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes in the morning. John's experience in jail and Jesus' response reveals the grace of Advent. It gives us permission to have our doubts when we are lost in the night of Advent, when we are unable to see or understand what is happening, when we are feeling cut off, or need of reassurance, when we are bowed over in despair, when we are moving through the world using only our questioning, longing touch, Christ will extend to us a word of comfort, one that is sure to bring us joy. For whatever reason, my friends, I'm not going to question it, but I'm feeling joy this Advent. And my spiritual director was right. I do know what to do with it tell you about it, extend it to you, let you know that, yeah, I've been there too. I'll probably be back there again, hopefully not too soon. But I know that it will not and it does not last forever. And I know that sometimes we can't see it, but truly miracles are happening all around us. The blind are receiving their sight, the lame are walking, the lepers are being cleansed, the deaf are receiving the message, the dead are being raised, and the poor are receiving good news. Thanks be to God. In the name of our triune God who creates, sustains, and redeems us all. Amen.